the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Laboring and striving for the faith. That's what we pay pastors to do. And in fact, that statement can be found in 1 Timothy. That's a pastoral epistle. Me? Oh, I'm good to show up on Sundays, and that's about it. Really? Let's explore that deeply next on Abounding Grace. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org, this is Abounding Grace. Welcome to today's broadcast that has us back in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 10 through 16. If you were with us yesterday, you'll remember we began a look at a message called Laboring and Striving for the Faith. We've got a final look today as we continue our journey through 1 Timothy. Join us as we see how this applies to everyday Christians. Uh, just pastors. In our Westminster Larger, Larger Catechism, there is a question and answer on how to read the Bible in church. Now, whenever you read the Bible in Sunday school or in any public reading or in your own home, please read it in such a way that the people who are listening to you read it realize This is consuming this person, this preacher, or this father, or this teacher. And here's the question, number 157 of the Westminster Confession. How is the Word of God to be read? Answer. The Holy Scriptures are to be read with a high and reverent esteem of them, with a firm persuasion that they are the very Word of God. And that he only can enable us to understand them with the desire to know, believe, and obey the will of God revealed in them with diligence and attention to the matter and scope of them with meditation, application, self-denial, and prayer. And that is not only the way scripture is to be read in public. That is the way it is to be read by you every time you read the Bible. You don't just pick it up and read it as a matter of curiosity. You don't just hurry through it. Whenever you read scripture, make sure you are involving yourself with it. Beloved, someone said concerning John Calvin, whenever he preached, however many people were in the room, whoever was in the room, there was always one man he preached to. And that was himself. So if a preacher is going to pay close attention to the reading of the word of God, he's going to read it for himself as if there is no one else in the room. But he knows there are people in the room. So he's going to read it in such a way that he can communicate to them, this is the very word of God. This is the most important book in the world. 
This is the book that if you believe it and meditate on it and obey it, it will change your life like it has mine, Timothy. So Paul says, Timothy, when you have a worship service, take care on how you read and preach the word of God. I'm sure most of you at least have heard of Charlemagne, the great Frankish king of the great Frankish empire. Charlemagne wanted good, invigorating Bible reading in all of the churches of his kingdom. He wanted strong singing in the churches, and he wanted to make sure the priests read the Bible with enthusiasm and solemnity. So because there weren't any photographs of Charlemagne or any paintings of Charlemagne, no one actually knew what he looked like. So he would go and visit the various churches in his Frankish kingdom incognito. And if one of the priests was boring in his reading of scripture, he would send that priest to a monastery for the rest of his life. And if the priest was not enthusiastic in leading the singing, he would send him to a monastery for the rest of his life. And as a result, during Charlemagne's reign, there was a lot of good, strong Bible reading and a lot of vigorous congregational hymn singing. So one of the most important acts of worship, we don't just read the Bible because it is connected to the preaching. We read the Bible as a distinct act of worship in a worship service. We are reading the word of the living God. And Paul also says, pay close attention to the exhortation and teaching. That is, once you have read the scripture, make sure you have spent adequate time before the public reading of scripture in your own study so that you can expound on it and teach it and apply it and encourage people by it. And so you can tell them the whole truth with enthusiasm. This is the way it should be with all of us, my friends. When you teach your children, Make sure you know exactly what the text says. Make sure you have some good commentaries on the Bible. I believe every family should have Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible. Another good commentary is Calvin's commentaries. And beloved, you must get used to reading God-honoring commentaries on various passages of Scripture so you can teach properly your family. And that is what he is saying to Timothy. Timothy, before you preach, make sure you are adequately prepared. Make sure you have done everything you can do to understand that passage of Scripture. And verse 14, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. My goodness, that is a packed verse. It says, when God called you into the ministry, Timothy, there was an actual prophecy with reference to you. Remember now, back in those days before the completion of the 66 books of the Bible, there were prophets 
God would take over their minds and their vocal cords and they would literally speak the word of God. That is what happened in reference to Ananias and Paul. Remember when Paul was converted? Paul said that is what happened to Timothy, that someone under the inspiration of God made a prophetic statement about Timothy's future. Now, we don't expect that, of course, anymore. Because once the Bible was complete with the 66 book, all of the precious ways by which God revealed his word to man ceased, according to Scripture. So what he is simply saying is, God made you a preacher, Timothy. Don't you ever forget that. And when God called you to be a minister, he gave you a spiritual gift, a grace gift. Now, what is that gift? Well, we're not really sure, except I do know that when God calls a man to preach, he gives him the gift to preach and every other gift necessary to carry out his responsibility as a minister of God. If someone ever says God has called him to preach and he can't preach, I can tell you right now, he certainly was not called to preach. In fact, there's a story of a young man in the early 19th century who was convinced that God had called him to preach because he had a dream. And in that dream, he saw two huge letters, GP. So he assumed that was God telling him to go preach. So he's given the opportunity to preach before the congregation. And afterward, the elders meet with him and, they told him they think he must have misunderstood the dream. GP means go plow. So we don't have dreams like that to tell us God has called us to preach. But when God calls a man to preach his word, God will give him the gift to preach that word and all of the accompanying gifts that go with it. So Paul says, Timothy... Don't neglect that gift of preaching. Always be honing it down. Always be sharpening it. A good preacher is never satisfied with himself. A preacher is never satisfied with the way he preaches. He's always mauling the sermon over in his mind, thinking, how can I say this better? Is there anything I've left out? Why in the world did I say this that way? All of those questions, even after he has already delivered his sermon, because a good preacher is always checking himself to see if he can do a better job. And that is what Paul is telling Timothy here. Timothy, don't neglect that spiritual gift God gave you. Always being tried to improve it and to be a better preacher this Sunday than last Sunday. Last part of verse 14. With the laying on of hands by the presbytery. The Greek word for presbytery comes from the Greek word for elder, presbyteros, presbyterian. And a presbytery means an official meeting of elders. So when the elders of our church meet, we call it a session, but it really is a presbytery. And then when all the preachers and elders of a region meet, it is called a presbytery. It's an official meeting. 
you know, it's not just a little gathering of preachers having a good time and eating with one another. It is an official meeting of the officers of the church to make decisions in regards to the church. There are several things that implies. One thing is that no congregation is isolated and independent from other congregations. The idea that we see in congregational church government is that every congregation is independent and autonomous and isolated and not accountable to anyone. And beloved, that is not a model that can be found in Scripture. In Scripture, you see that there was connectionalism. Congregations were connected with each other, not only by a common confession of faith, but by common church government. So in the early church, you had the elders governing the local church. But let's say there was something decided in that local session that a member didn't like, and he thought he was being treated unjustly. Well, the presbytery is a court of appeal. And that person could go to the presbytery meeting, you write a letter and register a complaint and say, I would like such and such to be considered again. So all preachers and elders are accountable to groups of preachers and elders called a presbytery. And then each elder or session is accountable to the members who can also appeal to the presbytery. And for 2,000 years, when God calls a man to the ministry, the way he gets into the ministry is by ordination by the church government. And the way the church government ordains him is by laying hands on him. It can be a very moving act. You've witnessed your session ordaining elders and deacons and laying on hands. And it is considered a major event in the church. These men go through hours of training. Then they withstand your questions and the voting process confirming God's call on them. And this has been going on for 2,000 years. When we lay hands on them and pray for them, our hands represent the hands of God setting that man aside to this high and holy work. So Paul says, Timothy, don't forget who you are. Every minute of the day, don't forget or neglect the fact that you are a minister of the gospel. And you have been given a special gift. And you have been set aside by God through the hands of the presbytery. Verse 15. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them. Now notice the word absorbed is in italics, which again means it's not there in the Greek. But it's okay to do that there. Because in Greek, it is so difficult to understand. When Paul literally says there is, take pains with these things and be in them. Let them be in you and you be in them. And let not one moment of your life forget what you are called to do and who you are and who you represent. Take pains with these things, Timothy, reading, studying, preaching. Always try to improve yourself. Don't neglect the gift. 
Always be expanding your understanding of the word and your ability to apply that word. Be absorbed in these things. So that in verse 15, your progress may be evident to all. Now I think what that is talking about is your progress as the pastor of the church and the progress of the church. You be the faithful minister as I have described, says Paul. You're not going to be perfect, but you be a faithful minister. And God says, I will bless your faithfulness and people will see the progress of your church. Not so much as numbers, although that would, we would certainly like to see those numbers. But people will see the spiritual progress of your church. That people are growing in the faith and in their understanding. That they are becoming mature. And you have strong men and women in the faith. Now here's an important verse, verse 16. Timothy, ministers, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Pay close attention to yourself. Watch your own life. Don't just tell people things you're not applying to your own life that are not true of you. Pay close attention to yourself, Timothy. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't just be a voice. Walk your talk. And also pay close attention to your teaching. That is, pay close attention to what you preach and how you preach it. No matter how long a man has been preaching the gospel, he is always going to pay close attention to himself and to the way he preaches. He's always going to try and improve the way he is preaching. And he pays close attention to what he is preaching so that he never accidentally teaches you a lie. Persevere in these things, Timothy. Sometimes it's going to be harder than other times. Now here's an amazing passage and they add a word in the New American Standard Bible that should not actually have been added. And it will change the meaning of the sentence. But it says, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear. <coughs> but it actually doesn't say that. The word ensure is not in the original Greek. Apparently, the original was just too strong a statement for the translator to translate literally. Because here's what it says. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in things. For as you do, you will save yourself and save those who hear you. What a statement. But you say, I thought we were saved by the almighty sovereign power of God. Well, we are. Only God can save us from sin. But here is a statement in black and white. And remember, this is the word of God that says, pay attention to yourself and to your teaching and persevere in these things. For as you do, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Now, how can it be said that faithful preachers being faithful to their ministry can save anyone? It says it right here. Does that mean that I can pat myself on the back and call myself a savior? Of course not. In fact, that's a frightening statement. You see, the only reason it can be said 
is because God uses second causes, instruments. He uses the means of grace to save people. And the only way that can be true is to interpret that statement like this. Only God's sovereign grace saves sinners. And that sovereign grace is applied to the faithful teaching and preaching of the word of God. And you see, that's how necessary preaching is in your life. When you just come to hear preaching, when you feel like it, or you don't pay full attention when you're here, or you find it more important to go hunting or watch a football game and... After all, I I came to church last Sunday, so I can certainly miss this Sunday, right? If you treat the faithful preaching of the word of God like that, you may not actually be saved. And you may go to hell for it. No, I'm not saying you will. I said may. Because it is through the faithful ministry of the word that God saves sinners and sustains you as his people. You know, the humbling thing is it also says there, it says, Timothy, be a faithful minister. For if you do, you'll not only save those who hear you and you'll save yourself. So do you know the quickest way for a preacher to go to hell? It is to preach faithful, sound, reformed doctrine, lead people to Christ in the reformed faith, and never apply That doctrine to himself. God will use his preaching in the salvation of sinners. And will use his preaching in the condemnation of himself. If he does not apply them to his own life. So remember that verse. It is certainly humbling for me. And it is quite frightening. It's important to what, the church, what church you attend. It is important to what preaching you listen to. It is important to what books you read, what CDs you listen to, what sermons you watch on YouTube. The only men you want to listen to are those who are not perfect or claim to be perfect. Those who have clay feet is who you want to listen to. Because they pay close attention to themselves and to the preaching. And if you listen and give yourself to that kind of preaching and ministry, you will ensure salvation for yourself and your family. And God will use that preaching to save you and keep you saved. And the same thing for me. If I become a hypocrite, if I no longer apply these things to my life, And tell you what to believe and don't apply them to myself. Oh, I will go to hell. Our larger catechism says, How do you escape the wrath of God due to you for your sins? And the answer is, You escape the wrath of God due to you for your sins by faith in Christ, repentance of your sins, and the diligent use of all the means of grace by which Christ communicates to us the benefits of salvation. So if you are not diligently taking advantage of the means of grace, such as the preaching of the word of God and praying and such, 
If you're not diligently making use of the means of grace by which God brings into a person's life the benefits of Christ's redemption, you have no reason to believe that you have repented of your sins and you have no reason to believe that you will escape the wrath of God. You see, that's how important all these things are. Amen. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are two in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.